It's June 5th, 2014. This is the Hell Yeah Show, bringing you best practices for fine living, advice on how to not let technology ruin your day. Emery. It's the Reno of California. All right, welcome to the Hell Yeah Show. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. I'm actually better. I'm better than the last time we talked. I, yes, I, I detect a noticeable uh, increase in your excitement level and energy level. I'm drunk. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> no, I. Uh, so I got you know the new therapist and new medication. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm optimistic. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know what you say here in the United States. If you've got a problem, a pill can't solve. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it's been uh it's been pretty pretty okay. Um at least, you know, not uh a horrifying roller coaster at any rate. Good. How about you? Two weeks? Uh doing well. Uh there's a TiVo setting up in front of me right now, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. Very excited for you. It's 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 getting info downloading. Oh, wait, preparing to load. All right, so we may be interrupted at some point in the show <gasps> by a uh at the intellectual whatever they call it, like yeah. the movie where the little the, TiVo guy like rolls where, the, where he like slides through. down the slide and then he hops around every room of the house. Yeah, that <laughs> Never been so excited to watch TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that might happen. You'll you'll hear it if it happens. It'll be very exciting. I have some uh, funny Evo stories I'll get to later, too. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we were talking about TiVo before the show. It's also, during our pre-show, I would like to point out and get some props for knowing the Konami code to activate 30-second <laughs> skip that I last used in 2001. Yeah. Like, this, right off the top of my head. So, t- yeah, I get TiVo, to explain, TiVo, uh, normally you could press a button that skip 30 seconds ahead in the recording, but I guess they changed the behavior such that it fast-forwards no, well, for 30 seconds? Be, for, for trivia, um, it was always fast-forward. Oh, like since the dawn of time. Really? Huh. As far as I know. Um, but keep in mind, I haven't used one for a long time. But for, for, for a very long time, there was a time where uh, uh, they switched to like normal, like, burp, 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 like that fast forward behavior. Yep. yep. And uh, there is like a backdoor cheat code that you can type in on the remote to give you a so that the, the, the forward button will activate the 30 second skip where it skips in 30 second increments, which is really handy when you're like trying to skip commercials. Yep. And that's why they had not. Made, made out of the a, default. a feature. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Uh, that yes, that is awesome and very helpful, and will definitely improve my TiVo experience. Yes. Um. So yeah. <clears throat> um. Ooh, I got a. I'm a little. I'm still uh, allergies. It's bad. Hey, like there's, my, there's a pill for that. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been taking Zyrtec lately. It's it is awesome. Oh really? Uh, not not pills, just chewables. But oh man, just. Such a huge! As soon as my eyes get itchy, or uh, or I you know start sneezing, or or whatever you know, in, in uh, with sort of hay fever, allergy type stuff, Zyrtec is is magical. <laughs> That's outrageous. Yeah, it just all goes away. Um, it's fantastic. That's a really uh, that's a good endorsement. I think um, I'm trying to remember if I ever uh, uh, what was it? Like some of the over the counter stuff I've used was, was okay. Zyrtec is over the counter. Um, yeah, it is a generation. Oh, Three, I think, uh, antihistamine. Okay. Um, they're they're they're. It's, it's not like the Heisenberg stuff. Though. It is the, yeah. It, it is the most recent generation of antihistamine that is available over the counter, basically. Uh, from from what I from what I know. So. Okay. Um, yep. I've had like uh, uh, all sorts of uh, eye itching and congestion, but uh, starting to starting to turn around. Um, campus is kind of lightened up now that. Uh, most of the students are gone. Right, summertime. 
Yeah, there's a little less, uh, a little more elbow room on my bus. And, uh, yeah, I have a, I think I calculated this out to be a 97.5% less likelihood for me to be thrown up on. <laughs> so that's pretty good. That's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had like uh, one of my nephews at a birthday party, so we were out at my mother's place for that um, not too long ago, and uh, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. And then uh, I saw one of my other sisters not too long ago, a few days ago actually. She was dropping off some stuff for uh, for my kid, and uh, um, she brought uh, some books. And uh, one of the books was for us, and it's basically a um, you know the book uh, Good Night Moon. Yeah, it's a uh, Good Night Bush. And it's basically like a, a, a Dick Cheney to, to Bush nursery rhyme, <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. That's great. Um, yeah, there's a. <laughs> hey, my my, uh, my my sister knows me. On, on the on uh, on uh, sort of um, you know interesting takes on children's books. Um, have you ever uh, read "I Want My Hat Back"? No. Oh, it's brilliant. I want my hat back. I'll add it to the notes. It's, it's okay. Just, you, you gotta you gotta pick it up. It's it's uh, uh it's it's just a. Really, really uh, hilarious. Do you think it will be as entertaining for a two-year-old as the Jane Austen primer that uh, I got from my kid last week? Uh, that sounds great. Uh, potentially yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to check that out though. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, some changes for me working on my stuff, and uh, it always it, it amazes me that. Um, so, like, I've been taking. I've been in some sort of like treatment for my stuff since like uh, 1999 and that's a really long time. Mm -hmm. And um, for the vast majority of that, there was uh, uh, one particular medication I was taking that um, I'm now kind of like phasing out of and and trying something else. Uh Um, So I'm, I'm optimistic about that and it seems to be going okay, but it's so funny to me that like, they have, I mean, it's such a huge field um, yep. in terms of like the amount of research and the medical patents and all of this stuff. And so many of these medications, I'm a little terrified to say, uh, <laughs> are not really all that well known. Like there's so much about them that people don't know how they work even. I mean, to some extent, like they know how they operate, but they don't necessarily know. The, when you they, get inside the, the brain, the effects, but not the mechanism you're saying? Uh, well, in most cases they know, they know the, uh, yes, uh, but they, they know the effects at like a pharmacological and a chemical yeah. level. Yeah. Um, and then everyone, I mean, the human brain is such a complicated machine that it's very, it's, you know, you, you always have a, a pretty reasonable idea of what happens, but you don't know necessarily how everyone's brain is going to interpret that, sure. if that makes any sense. So yeah. the, the class of medis- medications that, um, I kind of bat around on a little bit uh, over the last large portion of my life um, <laughs> fall into the uh, SSRI category. So they're like kind of the newer um, medications for anxiety, panic, and depression. Uh-huh. And, they, and they are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And yep. what they do is like they basically change how your brain um, handles serotonin. Yep. So there's different variations on that that a lot of them share, um, but they all have slightly different methods of doing that. And so there are also like the more, uh, 
I don't want to say uh, researched, but just by virtue of them being around longer, people know them a lot better. And those would be like the old tricyclic uh, medications that some people still get um, nowadays for things like migraines. Um, sure. They still use those. And, uh, and I guess like some of them even have like um, anti-convulsant properties that like people with uh, certain forms of epilepsy would also use. So, but anyways, the, uh, um, because I'm kind of, interested in this sort of thing anyways like i've done uh, as about as much research as i think any uh lay person can um and i don't claim to be an expert by any stretch of the imagination but there's definitely a lot of um interesting things when you start getting into that sort of um area of the body mm-hmm. so um it's one thing to like have medication that like uh for you know for your allergies that does stuff that's a little bit more predictable right and yeah. then you have like stuff inside your brain and all the neurotransmitters and, and synapses it's just and un- unbelievably complex and not entirely yeah. understandable by anyone yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, exactly and so much of it's like interpreted right like <laughs> i mean we constantly take in stimulus from all of our senses and then our brain is like what's responsible for like figuring out what to do with it right and yeah it's if, if the observer is the observee then yeah like, yeah it's and this is you're, yeah it's, it's gonna be hard to to be objective about anything yeah yeah there's that and then there's also the, like that's part one of the complications like i didn't really realize that i was like on a on such a slump because um i mean were it not for like uh, a canary in a coal mine uh that you know had been observing this a little bit um it would have been really difficult for me to even suspect that this was going on because it's like, uh, um, like the day to day stuff, like you're just kind of going through what you're doing and everything. And like, I knew that I wasn't feeling great, but I didn't have that perspective. Right. Uh, it was really difficult. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. And, and I, I always find, um, medical research, uh, especially when it comes to like, uh, uh, psychiatric and psychotherapy to be just absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Joy, was uh, really close with uh, Timothy Leary, and he was kind of like one of the pioneers of, of LSD, like, yeah. among other things. But the and he wasn't like the inventor, but he's definitely like the face of uh, of that psychedelic. And s- similar to him, there's uh, a guy named uh, Alexander Shulgin, and he died uh, either this week or last week. And he was in his late 80s, and he wrote several books, and he was kind of like a, uh, a renegade pharmacist. But uh, he was a – I think he taught at Berkeley for years and years, did a lot of research there too. Um, but his claim to fame, he's kind of like the Timothy Leary of MDMA or ecstasy. And uh-huh. that's another medication where it's like um, you're starting to hear more and more, especially with like um, some of the medical marijuana legislation and people trying to get it reclassified. Sure. Uh, in various states and there's kind of like this um prohibition not just on on use but which is you know the obvious one but there's like it's very difficult to do research on some of these medications and a lot of them are and and chemical compounds in general and a lot of them are remarkably benign considering like how um let's say uh how big they can be on on a person you know (laughs) like there's a stuff like um research for depression and anxiety. And then you have things like, uh, working with people that have severe autism spectrum disorders and, um, people that are near death, uh, yep. dying patients, things like that. There, there are some things that, that really can have a really, uh, huge quality of life improvement for people that, um, is made much simpler and easier through the use of these medications. And it's, it's almost impossible to even research with them. 
And so just because, a lot of, of, because of the legality of them, you mean? Yeah. Like huh. you, I mean, if you're, if you wanted to study, so for example, and I'll, I'll use, uh, uh, Leary's, um, favorite yeah. <laughs> as, as an example here. There's been a lot of testing in like uh, the 60s and 70s, and I'm aware of one study in particular where they went into um, uh, a prison and they did some research with uh, drug addicts and alcoholics and prisoners. And they found that psychotherapy on its own was you know, somewhat successful. Yeah. And then when they used... Um, LSD-assisted psychotherapy, they had a remarkable drop in recidivism. So people that left prison didn't come back. Huh. Um, they had kind of like a new perspective. They got a new look on. They got a new outlook. Like they they were compl- they were substantially changed for the better by the experience. And part of that process was possible because of this type of psychotropic drug. Yeah. And you know that's the kind of breakthrough that people often need. To completely change their life. Yep. And there are people that are really horribly off and, you know, uh, live entire lives in despair and in constant state of uh, fear. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's really depressing to see, like, how some of the laws that were made in, like, the 50s and 60s when people were really just kind of in a complete panic and, like, didn't know, didn't understand. Um, it would be like, you know, if someone said, well... I don't believe in climate change, so we're going to make it illegal to, to study the climate. I don't wonder if this is a serious discussion, but there is a animated TiVo walking across the oh, right man. <laughs> oh, it's it's speaking of LSD. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> yep, this is actually this has gotten much better or much much uh, crazier. Oh man, it's it, it's like a. Uh, it's a bunch of different takes on on cinema and TV styles over the years. Uh, with oh, that's little, cool. little I remember the old one was like, burm, burm. yeah, it's actually that, that was pretty fantastic. Uh, all right, it's, yeah, sorry, back to oh, yeah. so, <laughs> that so, was poorly timed. <laughs> the way that the medication or the way that uh, uh, drugs are classified in the United States, like MDMA, is listed as a Schedule One, uh, so it's treated like heroin, um, right? And other like really addictive drugs and. Um, it's you know same thing with like uh, marijuana and several other things that are on that list that have considerable um, medical use as long as people are allowed to practice medicine. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. Um, MDMA is one though that uh, is very interesting for a lot of reasons um, relating to mental health, and um, there's also finally some organization around it. So. Uh, there's a group called Maps that I didn't know about until I was reading some articles about uh, Alexander uh, Shugan, and uh, he, and I believe his wife's also a scientist, but I don't remember. Um, shoot, now I can't remember even remember her name, but I think she was the co-author on a couple of his books. But um, it's the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and they have basically gathered up like 18 million dollars to um, try to get MDMA approved for. Um, psychiatric prescription use huh. by 2021 and that's a it's good to have a goal yeah and um so I, i'm somewhat optimistic that some of the research community and, and medicine will be able to uh um, make some considerable breakthroughs that could help people a lot um and i was really sad to hear that uh that he had died because i as far as i know he had been constantly um uh, a thorn in the side of uh, a lot of people, including including uh, a lot of uh, medicine uh, 
uh, doctors and scientists because he had such a um, kind of a radical position that he took. Sure. So um, he was definitely uh, a, a, a vocal advocate and uh, didn't really didn't really like to uh, sit on the sidelines. So, um, but kudos to him. Um, somewhat related to <laughs> needing psychiatric care is my dad asking me if uh, <laughs> he'd like to get a Surface Three, and he wanted to know yeah. which Surface Three to get. Yeah. I was really surprised to see that they don't. You cannot get a um, a Surface Three with uh, with much memory until you get into like the i five range. Yeah. Um, so by much memory, do you mean eight gigs? Yeah, I think it was like you know you could get four, 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 yep. and then yep. then it jumps eight. Yeah. When when I bought my Surface Two, Surface Pro Two, uh, I made sure to get. And they don't actually they don't make it very obvious, but it was like the two hundred fifty six gigabyte version was the. Lowest end one you could get that had the the eight yes. gigabytes. Yeah, yeah. Same same with the three. Yep. yep. I was really surprised by that, but um. And it's well, but it's uh, the crazy thing is like they don't they they're doing all their upsell is based on the size of the the you know drive. It's not based on wrong. the memory. And, you know, I guess they figure people understand storage capacity better than they understand memory. Well, they, but they call both memory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, that would be super confusing. But my but, iPhone has sixteen gigs of memory. Right. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, but like for me, I you know I probably would have gone for the 128 gig, except for the fact that 256 had the had the eight gigs of RAM. So yeah, um, and I I was uh, I part I I I spec I spec one out for them, which is pretty easy because they're kind of taking the iPad model where it's like you know this 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 and this, mm-hmm. and uh, I compared that and I I said this is the one you that you should get um, if you're gonna get the if you're gonna get a Surface get because it was like the i5 with eight gigs of RAM and a 256 flash. Yep, and I was like, I know it's you know, I know you're not like. Uh, um, playing games and stuff, but uh, the video will be better in general, yep. and that will help with everything, not just games. Yep. And also, um, it'll just give him enough uh, headroom on memory to to run any software that he comes across. And he likes to have like you know a lot of news websites and things like that. But then I was thinking about the way that he typically uses computers. Like a lot of the stuff that he does is remote, so he has like um, some remote office stuff. And I I can't remember if it's like. It might be based on Citrix or something, but they have some sort of thing that he uses for work, and that's all pretty much uh, web-based anyways. And I'm thinking to myself, like, let me see if I can... Because uh, I, I think the reason that he kind of wanted to go with the Surface is because he was, like, thinking that he might want to have a keyboard. Yeah. Because he also has a Kindle Fire. Yeah. So anyways... So, um, okay, yeah, so he's got the, like, consumption side, co- or the, the tablet yeah, form factor covered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm thinking that he's of the opinion that if he goes with, like, the Surface, then that would kind of cover him for for long-term computing stuff. And I was yeah. like, I'm, I kind of said, you know, you've got an iPhone, and I think, you know, based on what I see you doing with computers, other you know, when you're not, like, screaming that you have a virus, like... <laughs> I, I was like, you just have you considered getting a Mac? Because it was actually several hundred dollars cheaper yeah. to go to like a MacBook Air yep. 11 inch instead. And I'm like, they weigh about, I mean, the, the Surface is arguably, it's small, it's lighter, yep. right? Yep. Um, but I not mean, by you know, much. It, The Surface has a touchscreen. The Surface has a, has a Wacom uh, stylus. The Surface can fold into yeah. the, you know, that form factor. I see my dad doing that though. But no, yeah, I think that that is yes. And I, hey, I didn't see my, I, I, I guess I saw myself doing it, and then in practice, that was none of those experiences were great when I when yeah, I, I had the Surface. So I had an HP notebook with a with a touch display that like swiveled around for a while, and I yeah. I like I I loved it for about three months. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, f this. <laughs> like it was just you know the the 
the youthfulness versus yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. I was right. like, this is not helping me. Right. So um, I don't know what he's gonna, he's probably not going to do it just because he's he's resisting. He likes to be a contrarian about it. He's, you mean he's probably not going to do the MacBook instead of the Surface, or he's probably I, do I think he'll probably he'll probably go with the Surface. But um, I this, okay. he's never he's never owned a Mac in his life, and he he kind of has like this, um, you know, for years and years he's been on that side and he just doesn't he i think it's very threatening for sure. people to make a, a leap like that without having a reason yep and i don't know that he has a, a good enough reason and then like um my my stepmother has uh like the only computer that she uses is her ipad um okay yeah that's she, i think i think more and more people like yes that <laughs> she does absolutely everything on her ipad yeah yeah and she has no interest in, she's never wanted a computer before she has she had like a uh, my my dad got her a netbook or of some sort that she used for a little while, and she probably logged like eight hours on it. Because really, what happened was is my dad got it so that he could run the BlackBerry uh, <laughs> BlackBerry Sync nonsense when they were traveling. Yeah, and he he called it her laptop, but it wasn't it wasn't her laptop. <laughs> it was really it was really just so he could uh, plug in his BlackBerry um, when he was uh, traveling. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know, and I'm thinking to myself like. I don't know. I, why not just get the the eleven inch air? And I and I'm willing to bet that like they would absolutely love it if they probably would. it's the yeah. the airs are such great laptops. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've talked about my Surface experience on the show. Like, I it ended up not being a better tablet than my iPad and not being a better laptop than my MacBook or my MacBook Air. And so, why would I use it for either purpose? <laughs> yeah, um, and um, I mean, I'm kind of at this point. I there was a, there was a time where like I really liked working off of a laptop, yeah. um, but these days I'm more and more doing stuff on my iPad, yeah, and desktop. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like when I when I want a really big display and I want um, yep. Sure. If I'm really just going to be cranking away on stuff and writing or um, handling, I kind of miss the. I, I don't have a desk with monitors set up in my current place, and I do kind of miss that um, that that mode of working for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's very handy, and it also uh, it helps me like really focus on on something that I'm working on, um, and it also just feels. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I. I've always been somewhat frustrated in, in working off of laptops. And part of that is just in terms of like the hardware available. Yeah. So like some of the data that I work with, like when I'm doing assessment work and things like that, like I find work doing that sort of thing on a laptop really annoying. Yeah. Okay. Um, because the amount of data is huge. I need a lot of processing and I need a lot of memory and I need a lot of available temporary storage yeah. that I don't have to wait around for. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even doing that stuff on the retina MacBook, um, <clears throat> it just it uh, I don't know I, I it just it it never seems to uh, uh, work as well as if I just do it on a desktop. Sure. Yep. And I mean, but, oof, don't even get me started on like doing photo work on a laptop. I can't <laughs> stand that. I, I know people that do it and they they're yep. fine with it. I can I hate it. So I I like I mean yes I like I recognize that it is objectively an objectively worse experience, but. I just really like the um, the idea of doing everything on a 13 inch computer, like just the you know oh, yeah. not needing anything else, like just needing my 13 inch laptop and a power supply, and I can do everything right. Yep. Um, that I, I love that. Um, I had um, a, when I was uh, on a fishing trip last summer. Was it last summer? 
Yeah, it must have been last summer. Uh, the uh, I was trying to think if it was one year or two years ago. Um, I did a lot of uh, my photography stuff and like just my quick importing and and posting some favorites and editing like just lightly on the iPad. Yep. And that actually worked really well. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're if you're doing a, a lot of work with uh, with JPEGs, it's it's a pretty straightforward workflow. And we'll get to some of the improvements that are, that are coming for uh, iOS eight that make yep. that even better. But um, yeah, I think uh, my other uh, update would be a few days ago. I got a TV antenna from Amazon. It's an indoor HD antenna, and it was like sixty bucks, and it's powered, and it pulls in stations from a considerable distance and i now get uh, all the networks in some cases i got a couple of options um i've got so much pbs i got pbs falling out of my ass like Hell i've yeah. got that's oh. yeah I, you've probably got like their alternate station and their like living oh, yeah, yeah. station and their concert station and their <laughs> there's like a, a over-the-air home shopping network i didn't even know existed <laughs> yeah well normally yeah that's the sort of thing you want on over the air right they, i mean they're not interested oh, yeah. in like <laughs> They're, they're interested in reaching as many viewers as they possibly can. Well, yeah, you, so. you got to figure that like most people that are doing home shopping are people that don't have internet access and probably don't have cable. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's really nice. Like The picture over the air is so much nicer than I've ever had with any cable or satellite service, and uh, the audio is phenomenal. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, well, they, there is more bandwidth available, right? So yep. um, it just, it, like, the... They don't have to compress it as much, and it ends up being a much nicer picture. Yeah, and it's unencrypted, so it's really easy to to, yep. to handle and work with. Yep. Um, so, I'm really interested to talk to you about TiVo later because yeah. uh, there's a guy in my office that recently put an antenna in his house and uh, picked up a TiVo, um, and uh, has been really loving it. Because nowadays you can get them with like multiple tuners. So, I was telling Liz the other night, I was like, "You realize that you know we can buy a TiVo now that could be recording live TV on all four networks and um, letting us watch something else huh. at the same yes. time." Yes, that's, and she was like, yes. <laughs> oh. "Yeah." So, and and she likes. I mean, she's kind of like a TV hoarder, and but she's she studies a lot of stuff about television, so she likes having. Um, a lot of shows that she checks in on from time to time uh-huh. and she's the kind of person that hates to miss things so <laughs> uh it's it's something that i'm kind of batting around um cool. in the back of my mind so and she's gonna be gone for a few days and then she's gone for a that's, week that's the time to buy man that's the i time. was thinking about it now i think um yeah while you were out there's a <laughs> yeah she's got a thing in uh, florida this weekend it's like a board meeting and then she's got uh like a workshop she's doing in uh, in New Hampshire in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I, I've got a a lot of uh, father daughter time coming. All right. And uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but but the antenna is pretty great. It's like the Amazon Basics one, and it's powered, and it has like a little USB thing. Oh, and Amazon the Basics makes an antenna. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice. It's That's flat. Awesome. And yeah. I got it just kind of like stuck to the wall yep. in the corner yep. right now, just to, as a test. Yep. And uh, I'm probably gonna like try to find a. Um, I don't know if I want it to be where it's at right now, but it's good to know that I can have an because I, I had an indoor antenna before that I had really spotty results with. Like sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, um, and it was uh, somewhat directional, so it was kind of difficult to, you know, I always had to like remember like if I want to watch Channel Twelve, I got to turn it over here. Yeah. So there was kind of a little bit of that, and um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, this one's nice, and it's I mean you can like roll it up; it's that flat, like it's uh, like it's really flippy. Nice. <laughs> so um, I'll figure out uh, what I'm going to do with that. But um, yeah, too long I didn't read. Got an antenna. It's pretty good. And it's 60 bucks. Cool. And that's like the, the beefy one. There's there's uh, less expensive options that they make and other people make too, obviously. But yep. um, 
I wanted one that was uh, had a certain rating so I could get from a, from a neighboring city also. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. I, I my so I do own an over the air antenna, uh, but it was purchased in with very short notice because I needed to watch the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this was uh, uh, two Olympics ago, but uh, yeah. Um, but it, it's it's solid, uh, you know. Nothing nothing wrong with it. It's a Turk antenna. Yeah, I have. A, I've had a couple of Turks. I had one in when I lived in DC. It was great. Um, had no problems with it. And then when I lived in uh, Rhode Island, it was terrible because I was like in a really hilly, um, uh, a really hilly area, and uh, also a lot of like really old houses with like probably just a metric crap ton of lead paint i don't know huh. <laughs> it was just it, it got really bad like even the wi-fi in that house was, was pretty rough so huh. um, but yeah um <clears throat> this one definitely uh was money well spent cool um all right well uh tell me about stockton i've got a lot of exciting things <laughs> starting with stockton california <clears throat> um here are some facts okay <laughs> Stockton, California is the 13th largest city in California. Get out of here. Which, you know, that's not, I mean, that's, that seems kind of reasonable. Stockton, California is the 64th largest city in the United States. Really? Yes. Wow. Can you believe that? Uh, um, sure. I mean, California's huge. In 2012, Stockton, <laughs> Stockton was the... Are you getting these from, like, StocktonFacts.com? I'm getting these from Wikipedia. Okay. In 2012, Stockton was the 10th most dangerous city in the U.S. <laughs> wow. Uh, like, based on number of homicides, or, you know, violent crime in general. I think there were 70-plus homicides in the city of Stockton in 2012. Well, but I thought murder was legal there. Is that why they had so that many? That might actually be why, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would explain it's, things for sure. It's like California's Reno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so... <laughs> Um, why, why were you in Stockton? I was in Stockton for a couple reasons. Uh, one, to see the beautiful city. Um, two, uh, to see... Murder. T- yes. Uh, to, it's the only place you can do it in California. Well, um, no, no, you got Compton. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, sorry. One of two places. Uh, two, to see a minor league ball game. Hey, I just did one of those myself. I forgot to put that in my notes. Nice. The Stockton Ports. We saw the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Sweet. As in Colonel of Corn, not uh, not uh, like a like a military rank yes uh that's i I really like um uh the vibe at a minor league ball game um uh okay it's very at least i don't the ones that i this is actually the uh it may have been one before this is i mean this is the first one i've been doing a while and just like very laid back not a lot of people there you know not too crowded just yeah uh nice um and like quiet too which is also nice so yeah no cheering no clapping yeah, right, just no waves. Just, just people getting drunk. <laughs> yeah, just quietly um, drinking themselves to oblivion. Exactly, respectfully. <laughs> yes, like civilized adults. Uh, and then the other reason to go to Stockton. This is also on my. This is the next thing on my list is uh, uh, McDonald's is piloting Come on. Come on. their new self-seasoned fries <laughs> in in three locations in California. One of which is Stockton, California. Why do you like fast food so much? I do. I, so I don't. I don't consume fast food on a regular basis. But what I when do. I do. <laughs> but I do. But I'm, what I'm saying is, no. Uh, I don't always I, eat fast food. I don't always eat fast. But when I do, so I, I enjoy sampling interesting fast food novelties, right? So, yeah. So I I like seeing what the latest science has has delivered to the american palate the latest right? innovations in fat it, yes the, like the <laughs> yes it's like this you know 
<laughs> this this product has been probably worked on by hundreds of people, right? To produce oh, yeah. like the, the most addictive properties. Exactly. Like the ideal, you know, most like marketable, you know, appeasing food product they can produce, right? Yeah, and, for as and, little money, for literally as little money yes. as absolutely possible. Yep, yep. But of course, you know, they probably invested millions in R and D, and they've you know have like a bunch of people. They've created the thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so I just enjoy. Sampling. That's a lot of that's a lot of intellectual property to make something that's essentially as healthy as cigarettes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just enjoy on a on a limited, you know, not ideally not excessive basis. I enjoy sampling the latest that fast food has to offer. Because I think I find it fascinating, right? Okay. So uh, along those lines, <laughs> yeah, please. McDonald's in in select cities is now yeah. letting you season your own fries. Like you know, they have salt shakers at most locations. No, they give you a flavor packet. <laughs> oh God! This is like a ramen packet <laughs> and a bag. It's kind of like that, yeah. And oh. a bag, and you pour the fries into a separate bag. And then you pour the flavor packet into the bag as well. You close the bag, you shake it, and then you have self-seasoned fries. <laughs> is this because there's people that are demanding a higher minimum wage? Are they, are they trying to like fire everyone and replace them with robots and, and then you would shake up their own fries? No, this well, this I mean, they're making customers shake their own fries, right? Exactly. This is yeah, this, yeah, 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 because they want to be able to get rid of everyone right. behind the counter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's right. going to be like an automat from the 1960s. Yes. Yes. It's going to be a vending machine, and then you can shake your own fries. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Sounds amazing. Uh, it sounds great, right? Yeah, it's a good, great idea. Almost as innovative as the make your own pizza place that opened under underneath my office that I've never seen anyone in. Because <laughs> <laughs> who wants to make their own pizza, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh. God, that place is terrible. It's also called Pizza Bros, which makes no sense to me. Nice, yeah. yeah. If you're gonna if, if you're gonna capitalize on some sort of like Italian theme, you better call it Super Pizza Bros. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, um. So anyway, uh, Stockton, California. There, there are about 1.5 square blocks of Stockton that are nice, and the rest of the city is not is, nice. Is there an Apple Store there? There, I don't, I don't think so. Sounds like a BS town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting place. It's Tell a, me I'm wrong. There's there's a, one of the, their biggest landmark is the historic Bob Hope Theater, um, oh, which was created completely independently of Bob Hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but it was it, it it seemed to be a happening place in that when we walked by the front of it, remember um, to stay and neuter your pets. There were there were uh, there was a uh, a gentleman and a woman in the alcove area uh, that you know where you normally line up to, to enter the theater, which was otherwise empty and the theater was closed. Um, uh, th- uh, and, and one of them exclaimed something along the lines of, we're partying, man, and, uh, and um, oh, oh. Had, a, had, a, had a needle with him. So, uh, <laughs> so this, this is... Wow, you're lo- hanging out with the junkies of Stockton. Exactly. This is at the historic Bob Hope Theater. <laughs> I'll say. In the, in the center of lovely Stockton, California. On a Sunday. Wow. Um, so you stand in there on the corner shaking your own fries while like a dude's tying off. Yes, yeah, that's pretty much that's that's how that's how Stockton went. So um, anyway, uh, that's lovely Stockton. That's also a, a sneak. I snuck in a, a fast food review there. Um, no, wait, I should actually should say, least, you at least try to get a hand job while you were there. <laughs> 
yeah, at the at the Greyhound station actually. Oh, You'd be, yeah, it's that's the place to that's the place that's to go. Yeah, uh, you might even find one of those funny bathroom stalls with a hole in it. We we actually we actually did. I'm not kidding. We oh. did go to the Greyhound station, <laughs> which is is like if you want to find the lowest of the low, it's the Greyhound station in Stockton, California. <laughs> well, any any of none of them are nice. I mean, it's no, like, no, but like it's this one's special. I've this, traveled by bus. Like yeah. I've been to bus stations for you know for all sorts of reasons. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, e. Yep. Um, anyway, and then the self-seasoned fries. I will say uh, the the winner was the uh, the the um, uh, buffalo spicy buffalo um, seasoning, uh, followed up by the uh, ranch, followed up by the uh, garlic parmesan. Um, so. Do you have to bring your own penicillin when you go into a Greyhound station, or do they supply that? When <laughs> I think you buy it's, yeah, I think it's on the buses. I think it's there's just like little like a dispenser. Uh, like the, yeah, there's little like tubes the you pull down. It's, yeah, it's it's like the air, the uh, masks on airplanes, except you know you just oh. press a button and it drops down. Yeah, yep. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. You pull pull the cord in yep. case of lice. Yep, yep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, that's my Stockton adventure. Um, oh, and saw the corporate offices or one of the corporate offices of In-N-Out, um, which was pretty uh, excellent. Um, big building that totally looks like a restaurant, and then you get closer to it and you realize it's an office building. Oh, um, so it's like a mirage? I mean, I, yeah, I actually, I thought it was like a, a cheeseburger gi- mirage. I don't I, think I approve of that. I was on, we were on the freeway, and I joked that it was a gigantic In-N-Out, and then yeah. we pulled off to look at it closer, and it turned out to be their office building. A bunch of dicks. Yeah, I know. How dare they? <laughs> yeah. Do they even have a drive-up window there? Uh, it's, well, it was completely locked down. Like I, we actually went up and, and hit the buzzer to try and get in, and there was oh. no one home. So, yeah. Hey, kudos on you for trying, though. That's yeah. That's, yeah. You're like, uh, <laughs> well, that's that. That you're a regular Lois Lane. That's <laughs> outstanding. Um. Anyway. Uh. Okay. So that's that's uh, that's Stockton. Um. Uh. The other thing I've been checking out lately, other than Stockton, California, um, has been Mario Kart Eight. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about that actually. Yep. Yep. This is I'd say this is probably the first game on the Wii U that really has hit critical mass as far as like attention in, you know, popular culture. Um and validating that people own a Wii U. Right. Yeah. It, it sold like 1.2 million copies in its first week, I yeah. think, something like that, which is not bad at all. It's um, no uh it's it's no uh Watch Dogs, but that, yeah, or or GTA 5 or you know. Well, certainly. Yeah. But- um yeah, but but uh, f- super impressive for the Wii U, and I- I'm sure that thing is. I'm sure Mario Kart Eight is selling Wii U's. You know, I like. The, oh yeah, there are definitely like I I have talked to so many people that would Hell, otherwise dude, have we- cared less about the Wii U who are actually the, excited about Mario Kart. Right, the remix of of Wind Waker is almost enough for me to buy a Wii U. Yeah, yeah, that I I've talked to a couple people that that excited as well, but but I, yeah, the, the, like. Mario Kart 8 is at the point where people are sh- like people who have not played the game are sharing gifs online of st- crazy stuff happening in it, you know. So Oh, um, okay. It's it's uh yeah, it definitely seems like a big deal. And it is a fantastic game. It's really really good. Like they Oh man, it's just it is nonstop eye candy. Like the their attention to detail, the gorgeous gorgeous uh uh environments um I I've really liked um uh, Little Big Planet Kart Racing. Yeah, I thought that was great too. Yep. Yep. Is it like that in terms of like how interactive the environments are? Um, the <coughs> environments aren't really interactive. It's more just like they're uh, they are detail rich in in you know visually, not necessarily like sort of you know mechanic wise. But just, uh, there there are a lot of interesting mechanics. But um, uh, the mainly it just looks really pretty. Um, 
<laughs> and the uh, the music is fantastic. It's really, really great. Um, right. It's just well done. So, yep. Um, and then uh, uh, coconut chips. <sighs> okay. There's a company called Dang. Well, okay, I, yeah. I was wondering because in the show notes it just says Dang Coconut Chips, and I was thinking <laughs> dang about Boomhauer. All I could think of was Boomhauer on uh, King of the <laughs> yeah. Hill, like Dang old, Dang old, uh, dang, coconut chips, dang, dang old Coconut Chips. Yeah, Dang old Coconut Chips. Um, no, so uh, there's a company called Dang that makes coconut chips, and they're really this, good. Okay. So I've, I've we, they have them at work, <laughs> uh, and I just recently ordered a batch of them for home use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you need a permit. <laughs> <laughs> they're just that good for uh, hope yeah. um and so without I, a prescription with yeah over the counter they just showed up wow. my door it was amazing um yeah they're they're really great uh really um did you have to use bitcoin to buy them? yeah <laughs> um they're really great they um uh you know very minimal ingredients list it's basically coconuts toasted coconuts a little bit of sugar and something and one other thing but and and salt i think um and they're delicious just really 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 wonderful um so totally recommended um yeah oh okay uh twitter notifications non sequitur but um, oh yeah 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 you mentioned this last week yeah so i was gonna talk about this last show we ran out of time so um so here's the deal so uh, if you have the twitter app installed on your phone um uh, and and you haven't like suppressed notifications from it at all. Um, it is likely that you've started getting a few different new types of notification. Um, okay. Like, what, is this applied to what devices are you talking about? Uh, this is I well, I only know it from the <laughs> iOS Twitter app, but I'm guessing it. This is the same on Android as well. Um, so uh, there are a few new notification types. One is the app will notify you, like full on home screen toast notify you. Um, if uh, multiple people you follow start following someone else within a short enough time frame, right? Okay. So, like, it'll say person X and person Y just followed person Z, right? Okay. Um, the other type of notification it will surface, uh, again, home screen notification, is if multiple people you are following uh, just retweeted the same tweet. Uh, okay. And then finally, the other one it will be if a uh, certain type of person you're following, like a, a news organization, most commonly. Oh, so uh, not like by race. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> well, sort of news organizations, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a good uh, point. Uh, so if if a news organization type type feed that you're following on Twitter, if they post a sort of breaking news, super important tweet, uh, it will surface that. Um. And you can turn those off specifically. The other two, it's unclear exactly. You can turn them off, but it's a little more nebulous. I use Twitterific uh, for iOS, and uh, you, I you, don't... Yeah, you will not get these on any third-party client. Yeah, Yeah, this sounds like a, a really annoying thing. Well, so here's the deal, right? So I, I, uh, I initially thought this was very annoying and made every effort to turn it off. <laughs> um, however... Uh, I, I kind of failed at turning it off at first, and I kept getting these. <laughs> and they're not that frequent. Like, I maybe get, you know, one of these every couple weeks. Um, and I have found them surprisingly useful. Huh. So let me give you three examples of when I've found these useful. Please. Um, so one is two people I was following started following someone else. That someone else... Uh, 
had um, just recently been um, like had I, I forget who exactly it was, um, but it was someone who had left Google to join <coughs> uh, like some other company uh, to to like. Um, oh, I, I think it was uh, I forget who it was. It was someone who left Google to join Twitter. I think to be like head of you know VP of product for Twitter or something. Anyway, to be you know it was like it was it was someone that I knew of that had just left and joined Twitter and it was this big deal, right? Okay. Um, and I heard about it first because like instantly as soon as the news broke because of you know because two people that I followed started following this person, right? Hmm. Um, other examples. Uh, um, the uh, uh, point where PAX badges were available this year, um, there was a tweet that went out that said PAX badges are now available, and that was retweeted by a couple people that I follow. Um, pa- PAX is Pan Arcade Expo. Um, yep. So, so pa- the pa- the Seattle PAX, the best PAX, um, and that I, unfortunately I didn't like take my phone out in time to see it to get tickets <laughs> before they were sold out because they sold out in like two hours. Um, but, Man. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but like that was a super useful thing that I really appreciated getting a notification about. Um, and then the last one was I think yeah. So my other example is also PAX related in that like panels open, and so there was a tweet based on that that multiple people retweeted. And there was oh. one other that I forget. But anyway, my point is like these uh, these could easily be super annoying, and and I was totally ready to find any way I could to stop them from happening. Um, but actually they seem to be relatively cons- somewhat relevant and useful right like twitter seems to be pretty conservative about sending these out you know or about like whatever their their algorithm is for for choosing when one of these happens seems to be pretty conservative and so do you know if they're going to start allowing other clients to issue like these types of broadcasts or so presumably another client could do it on their own right like they could you know look for this and and you know and and, and <coughs> issue their own type of similar notification but you know look for these scenarios but i, I think i i doubt they're going to make this stuff available through their api like I, I don't think twitter is in the business at this point of enabling more functionality in third-party clients um mm-hmm. that seems to not be the direction they're going in so especially if it means that they to get less ad impressions or whatever mm-hmm. yeah so uh anyway um uh so the um yeah, so so I like they've they've done this as well as they possibly could in that I've found pretty much every one of these to be super valuable um, and have not actually turned it off. So um, kudos to them. Oh man, have you seen that? Uh, what Netflix is doing? No. Well, maybe I don't know. Netflix has started putting up a message when there's a hard time streaming. They'll actually call your ISP out. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and like there was that dude from like Verizon or AT and T or someone that was all like whining about this, like oh yeah, there's not the it was total total BS. Yep. Like they were such scumbags about it. Yep, <laughs> it was it was kind of amazing, and I'm so impressed that Netflix is doing this because that's some balls. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yes, that is uh, that is some really awesome stuff. Like, damn, your connection sucks. You should yep. call Comcast and complain. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Um. Yeah. Speaking of Comcast, thank you. For yeah. That. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, I, you know, you might not know this about me, but I'm I'm a professional. Yes. Yes. I'm a professional hobbyist broadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh. Yeah. I, I. Um. I'm already a Comcast Business Class Internet subscriber. Um. I don't really want to be, but that's basically the only option I have for decent internet. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I've been thinking for a while about getting some TV service, um, mostly because the World Cup is coming up. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. And then also the Tour de France is coming up in July. And I very... Say, say that. What's, the name of the, what's the name of the event again? Le Tour de France. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's coming up in July. World Cup's coming up in the ne- like next week, I think, World Cup starts. Um, so uh, lots of sort of live sporting events, which um, to some degree you can watch online, but it's really not great. You really just don't get the same level of coverage that you get if you have a, you know, a real uh, cable subscription. Sure. So um, I decided to uh, again. I've been scoping this out for a while, but I finally decided I, I, you know, should should get a cable TV subscription as much as I have resisted it. Um, yeah. And uh, but I was committed to only do this if I could wrestle Comcast into exactly what I wanted. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so so my terms were basically, and I think I've talked about this previously on the show. Like I wanted. Um, uh, I wanted a you know no commitment no you know no term commitment contract right you know no, so no contract at all like I can cancel any time. You know I'm pretty sure you can do that anyways. I think I think uh, cable companies now are oh, considered yeah. utilities. So even if they say you have a contract, there's no way for them to enforce it. Oh really? Oh okay. Cool. Yeah, I've never I've had no problems evading early termination fees for cable like cool. my entire life. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I so I wanted none of that. Um, I wanted. Uh, 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 the well, so my most important criteria was I did not want to ever deal with a Comcast set top box, right? Yeah, never, 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 never. I do not want to have one in my house, I do not want to own one, I do not want to pay for one, I do not want yeah, to hook one up to house. anything, right? Yeah. It's like, do not ever, ever expose me to a, c- a cable box, right? A Motorola appliance that was uh built 10 years ago yeah. running three year old firmware, yes. and uh, yeah, yeah, none of that. So, uh, what I want is a cable card. Um, which yes. is, is in the PSA section today. Cable cards are amazing. Uh, I, I love whatever regulation forced cable companies to support them. Um, yeah, but they're... Okay. Aren't they kind of like being evaded now? Like, oh, yeah. So cable companies will do whatever they can to stop you from using a cable card. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you really have to try. <laughs> um, but you can. You know, like you, if you go through enough hoops... And in this case, it actually wasn't terribly difficult. I think mostly because the tech that I had on the phone setting up my account did was basically read to me the options he was seeing on his screen, and I told him which one to pick. <laughs> it, was, All right. it was it was fantastic. It worked out really well. That was awesome. Um, so uh, so yeah. So so because you know because I was basically I I threw this in as like I'm. I, I do not want a box. I'm doing cable card. At that point, he was just like, I, I see these things. Tell me what, what do you want? <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, yeah. I got him down some like alternate path that he'd never been down before. And, and you know, oh. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> from our extensive library of on-demand content and PVR. No, screw you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. I, I, I bought a TiVo. The TiVo accepts the cable card. You plug the cable card in the TiVo. The cable card does all the like ISP negotiation, decrypt the signal type stuff, um, and then uh, your well, TiVo, okay. and then once it does that, your TiVo can you know it, it does that in concert with the TiVo. At that point, the TiVo can can see all your channels, can can you know uh, receive your the the TV broadcast natively without at all needing to interact with the cable box. Um, Correct. It's brilliant, right? Just fantastic, ideal. Um. 
So, so yeah, so I was able to get Comcast mostly because this guy was like relatively clueless, but in a good way in which he was willing to cooperate. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, walked this guy through the set of flows that, uh-huh. that, that uh, walking him through his script. Exactly. Uh, not even, he was off script by this point. He was literally reading to me the text that was on the screen in front of him. <laughs> Interrupted his Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, and so uh, so I, I you know he he took me through basically that you know so I was able to get no extra charge uh, uh, cable card. I tried to get him to do self installation, but there was no. I could not. I could not navigate through a set of flows that that allowed that. Um, uh, basically, regardless, it sounds like someone needs to come out to check that the cable connection is actually active. Um, so, uh, so I was not able to get quite. That was the one point that I had to seed. Um, but for the most part, like everything else, I'm, I'm, I was able to. They are not going to send me a bill. I was able to set up the account online. Like they're not going to send me a paper bill. Like I was able to enter payment information online. Like all that stuff. It's you know that's. Uh, I I am. Uh, it, it took a decent amount of effort on my part, but uh, somehow I was able to get most of the important uh, 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 conditions that I was looking for out of a, a Comcast cable subscription. So, um, yeah. Uh, and, um, so that's, they're, they're coming out tomorrow or uh, Saturday to, um, uh, to actually, I mean, the guy's going to come out, see that I have a cable active because I have internet from them and presumably plug my cable card in or watch me plug my cable card in, um, once he hands it to me and then go away. Um, okay. Uh, that's that's what we're hoping for. That's, <laughs> that's the plan. The, that's the plan. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So, um, yeah, and then yeah. Uh, so so this you know kind of dovetails with our our one PSA today. The the one thing that I want to throw in here is if you are not using cable card, if you have cable um, and you ha- are using your cable provider's set top box, uh, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that just they, they don't want to fuss with anything else. They don't want to deal with another subscription. So, I mean, like the TiVo is kind of intimidating for people when they are first hearing about it. It's true. Yeah. So I like so I, you know, just recently bought a TiVo. Right. You know, it is it as you're talking about before the show. It's an expensive thing. Like, you know, you're going to pay probably around three or four hundred dollars for the TiVo itself. You know, maybe more. Um, and then the subscription is going to be a little more than a hundred dollars a year um, or fifteen dollars a month or about like four or five hundred dollars for a lifetime uh subscription um so it's not cheap you know it, it, it's it's a, it costs a lot to get away from your cable box um but the benefits are huge the benefits and are massive have you seen i mean like have you even looked at like uh ctvo yet uh no what's that so uh the letter c t-i-v-o uh-huh. there is a uh a project on github and they also have some uh binaries for it but um it's based on some some older code from another project that uh, is kind of deprecated and out of date now. But um, basically, it lets you transfer and uh, re-encode things off of your TiVo and automatically puts them on your iPad for you. Oh, nice. So uh, that will not be an issue. I got the Romeo. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, this this actually like extracts it from the TiVo, though, so you can archive it forever. Uh, oh, the, and so it that also is good. I don't think... takes all the commercials there. Uh, that is good. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so I, I got the Romeo Plus, um, which uh, presumably, and you know, I haven't tested anything yet because I just set it up, but presumably I should be able to watch live or recorded anything on, uh, on an iPad or, or iPhone um, through their, their app. So um, I am, uh, the, the CTVO is actually like 
the reason that I'm considering going down this route because, really? oh yeah, having well, right, having that level of ownership over your TV programming is pretty awesome. Yeah, and um, it's definitely uh, definitely appeals to me. There's a lot of things that it does. I mean, it lets you. It'll even like populate the metadata on the files from like TVDB and stuff like that. So it'll have like. Um, that's the full awesome. uh, program information. Yep. Um, it has a lot of different options for um, encoding video. Um, you can access remote TiVos. Um, there's all sorts of really cool stuff you can do with it. And uh, it works with like OS uh, notifications and things like that. So you can even get like, hey, I just uh, finished recording blah and re-encoded it and shoved it onto your NAS and encoded it and put it in your iTunes library awesome. for you. Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. Great. Yeah, it's really slick, um, uh, and that's one of the things that uh, I, I sent uh, an office mate to go check out. So um, he was like way into it because he'd use like some of the older stuff from years and years ago, like I had. Yep. It was all like a really weird shell scripts that had to yep. like um, you had to like basically log into the TiVo remotely and then pull stuff off and all that. And then you had like these huge giant MPEG two files, and it's a lot easier now. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. Pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, well, I, so I will report back on my, you know, Comcast and TiVo experience once things actually get hooked up. Um, I think for the time being, all I can actually use it to watch is the unencrypted channel where the guy with the Comcast shirt tells me that they're no longer offering unencrypted uh, cable. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, there's also another channel that shows a, um, uh, a Debian... Uh, uh, <laughs> terminal. Uh, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, it's, it's it's. I don't know if it's there anymore, but there, there for a while there was a Mountain View cable channel that showed like the um, uh, initial boot terminal screen. So like just after you know, um, just after boot. Now you've got a command prompt, right? Um, uh, <laughs> of of a of like a Debian system. That's hilarious. There was, uh, I can't remember where this was at. This may have been in either D.C. or in Providence. There was a cable station that was basically like the blue screen channel. It was yeah. like a, a public access channel that had some sort of a, of a relay for another station. And the computer that ran it was constantly blue screen. So it was always <laughs> showing like a, a Windows XP crash log like. Perfect. Anytime I ran past the channel, that's what that's what it had on. So that's, it's like, oh wow, Windows Windows is crashing again. That's yeah, awesome. it was kind of ridiculous. Cool. Um, all right, so uh, so we we are uh, we would normally be out of time, um, but I think long. we yeah we, we we are planning to run a little long today because um, WWDC happened, yes. and there's a bunch of news out of that, um, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, which I. Let's let's get to it. Let's. Um... So the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference is where um, software developers uh, will get some roadmap information from Apple, and it's kind of a big deal because Apple definitely has very regimented schedules for when they you know publicize this sort of information. There are a couple of announcements in particular that um, even consumers will find interesting. One. They gave a demo and some information about uh, OS 10 10.10, um, which is uh, under the name Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And then they also did some demo and some information about iOS 8. <clears throat> so in addition to those two announcements and um, tire kicking, there was also some information about um, 
some developer and service level stuff um, that was really interesting that I think um, both of our listeners will find delightful. First one <laughs> was like the general theme of the, of the conference was continuity. And this is something that you and I have actually talked about quite a bit, that like there's a lot of stuff going on at Apple in relation to iCloud and mobile devices and services and their software where there are, they're not like necessarily, you know, I disagree with the premise that they're like, you know, making OS 10 into iOS. Like (laughs) I don't buy that at all. I think Uh that's really short sighted and you and I will agree to disagree on that. But the, um, the short version is, is that, um, I've always maintained that like a lot of the technologies that Apple develops, um, things like the ubiquity service that handles like iCloud, um, file synchronization stuff and um, this newer, broader theme of continuity um, is further reinforcing my belief that they're really pushing hard to arrive at a completely stateful computing experience for people. Um, And what I mean by that is that an end user will be able to have multiple devices that all communicate with one another and have permanent access to your stuff um, from anywhere. In, in a very convenient way that doesn't um, require a lot of uh, uh, maintenance and intervention on your part. Sure. So one of the ways that, and this kind of comes back to like this other computing model that people that are, um, you know, some of the more grisly neckbeards among us um, will recognize as like this uh, uh, dawn of the internet 80s and early 90s thing, right? Where like, so much of like uh, uh, our computing took place on remote machines, and these days, like people say, well, you know, you're doing something in the cloud. So you have like Google Docs or um, Office Online, things like that. And there's a lot of people that are like, well, you know, I don't control this, and now it's in the cloud, and blah blah blah. But then there's also like the fact is like there were always um, remote systems that were responsible for stuff, and it's kind of like this shift occurred where as personal computers got more affordable and less expensive in general, in terms of uh, uh, overhead and um, maintenance and support. Um, more and more computers were, were involved. And then <clears throat> when Apple starts talking about you know, the, the post-PC world, um, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it's really stupid. Like, we're never going to be post-PC. And they, it, the people that say that are often people that work in IT. So <laughs> they're not really... Un- I, I think that in a lot of cases, they completely miss the point and don't have the the perspective that I think they should if they are interested in maintaining relevance and having a career. So (laughs) there's this uh, broader shift, though, where we're kind of going back to the future in that um, there's a lot of services and software that's being written to be deployed on the Internet. Uh And um, not just distribution like the Adobe Creative Cloud stuff, but things like... um, writing documents and working with data and uh, doing finances and all of these things that uh, editing photos. Um, Cause even if you had like really simple needs, you could be using Flickr and aviary and um, th- there's a lot, there's all sorts of stuff out there that um, is essentially what could have been desktop software three years ago, but now you can use yep. on any, any device. Yep. Yep. Google has the same, the same perspective. I think I'm not speaking for you or Google <laughs> obviously, but I think, uh, Google has a very similar mindset in terms of what they think um, computing looks like. They tend to, in my opinion, uh, take the perspective that this is going to be centered inside of a browser environment um, and that 
the browser is kind of like the pain that people use to to get to this stuff. Um, Apple doesn't necessarily have that same view. Um, they are more likely to use uh, uh, traditional applications that interact with web services. So there's kind of like well, because this, they, I mean, they, like they have a lot of investment and general like momentum behind thick clients on uh, on, uh, on devices, right? Sure, but not, I mean, yes. But I will, but I mean, would you agree that things like uh, the Chromebook and the Motorola acquisition and the Chrome, Chromecast and... Uh, oh, no, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Android is probably the best example of, like... <laughs> yes, but I didn't want to, you know, the, the Motorola is the hardware, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, Android's yeah. not a hardware device that you sure. sell. yeah. No, I guess I, I'm just, like, the... Um, Apple has... So, I, you know, we're talking about this shift, like, to to emphasize how interesting and dramatic the shift is... Uh, it is like happening within a company where the traditional way of doing things is a, like a very thick, robust client on a like for a specific device, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there is like a uh, uh, oh, the, the where I will give uh, Google a considerable upper hand here is that uh, the vast majority of Google services are designed to be platform agnostic. Mm-hmm. So it's more about connectivity and the web engine than the device family. Um, so there's, there's benefits and there's gotchas on both sides of that. Um, but uh, Apple definitely has a, a particular way that they're going about it. Um, and there is like, while I don't feel like they're trying to make one single platform, it's entirely possible that someday down the road, who knows? But yeah. um, I don't think it's a, an immediate uh, objective of theirs by any stretch it doesn't make any sense for them to do it and apple tends to do what makes sense and what people are interested in um more than trying to dictate even then people might take issue with my phrasing on that but i (laughs) i stand i stand by it and i can back it up so um to that end um they have a new architecture that they're releasing for software extensions that will let you have software interact with one another so one of the big benefits in iOS is this uh, application sandboxing. And so it's very easy <clears throat> to have uh, uh, rigorous control over permissions to data and kind of siloing uh, things between applications off. Now, one of the problems with that is that your applications are siloed <laughs> and that the data is, is kind of sandboxed and closed off. So um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of uh, ways that people have uh, either made do um, with that sort of a restriction, or they've introduced some clever workarounds that are uh, not as dangerous as just having open access. So there's uh, a lot of different ways to go about this, but the extensions thing is nice because it allows people to extend software um, on both platforms uh, to interact with one another, even when they are um, using this uh, um, container model that uh, Apple's adopted for OS X, uh, which is optional in OS X. I mean, not all software does it, but um, and also on iOS. They've done some big changes for how search works, so the expectation will be the same. When you do a search on an iOS device, it'll search your device and your contents and your data, and also search the web. Uh, same with the desktop. Uh, they added some new search engines to it, and, uh, notably DuckDuckGo, which is kind of like a... a uh, pseudo Googleish uh, search engine, but um, has some uh, different goals for um, how much data they collect and things like that. And it's anyone's guess as to how realistic that is. But um, 
it's actually not a bad search engine. Um, there's a lot of interesting search engines out there. Like I use Google 99.9% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's uh, one called Bleco that I like a lot, which is kind of like basically a web crap, um, kind of slick and easy to, to deal with. And then uh, I also use desktop software that does searches. I use uh, Devon Agent, which interacts with uh, various web search engines and then can also kind of correlate some of that back. Sure. Yeah. Um, so there's some really cool stuff going on with search on uh, on both platforms, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening with iOS 8. Um, they also released a, a new. There's a whole bunch of new services for iCloud. So if you're a software developer and you don't want to run infrastructure, and most people don't, and that's one of the big things like uh, Google App Engine offers on the Android side is like this nice way to deploy services and applications. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big advantage for them. And uh, there's also been a, a longstanding issue with things like. Um, email clients for iOS, where if you want um, to be able to do somewhat real-time notifications and status and updates for things like email, you're essentially, you need to give some sort of access to a service provider, and then they have your username and your password or yep. your OAuth. Yep. They, they basically act as an intermediary for you using your credentials, and then they're suddenly putting themselves in a situation where like, if something happens to their service or they get a compromise or they have an incident, then all of a sudden all of their customer data is also in trouble, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of people that are reluctant to do that because it's hard to do right, um, especially for smaller developers, and um, that's certainly a, a, a big deal. And um, not a lot of people that are you know one and two person operations that write uh, somewhat specialized boutique software that is really great um, also want to have an IT staff that's responsible for an enterprise cloud service. You know, yep. so that's a that's a big win for them. They also have a new programming language called Swift, um, kind of out of scope for for this show, but suffice to say the, the developers in the audience were very excited. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things about it that everyone seemed to be really enthusiastic about. So it will facilitate easier development and also perhaps um, change the way that some of the uh, computing models that are still in use today are implemented. So that's, that's always interesting. Um, <clears throat> there is a, in iOS 8, things to look for, um, we're going to see some new health information. So there's like some, uh, um, if you are the kind of person that really likes to keep track of sleep and exercise and diet and things like that, um, there's a whole new place for that. Um, it's sure. kind of like you know, Passbook, but it allows services and applications to interact with it. However, it also allows them to do so in a very controlled way. So yep. Apple really likes to allow very little information about users to get to service providers. Yep. Uh, and that's something that I've always loved about them. Um, so for all the you know um, locked into ecosystem and whatever complaints that people have, and Apple has all this data, and I can you know Apple doesn't want the like they have the, you know they have whatever data you give them, but Apple has constantly demonstrated a commitment to not being responsible for it and not having anything to do with it if they can avoid it. Yep. So even though they have all of this data, you know, presumably about people, like they don't want to be the stewards of that data. It's, it's your information. They want to make sure that there's a reliable way for you to interact with it and use it and have it. But they don't, you know, 
they don't really have an interest in uh, uh, pulling and trolling through your stuff. So that's one thing I've always liked about them. And there's so many things like I, I'm really interested in um, some of like the mood tracking stuff, right? So like I was looking at some of the apps out there for this, and so many of them require you to set up an account with this other thing, and then yep. if you God help you if you click that privacy policy, <laughs> like there are so many red flags that go off for me when I'm like, if I'm supposed to be keeping track of like my mental health and my mood, I don't know that two guys in a basement are LLC are the people that I trust with it, considering that they sell it to third parties. You know, right. like you know, we will sell your data in aggregate to other parties for research and for and I'm like, oh, come on, like so. I, it's my understanding um, that people that want to interact with the iOS um, health services stuff are going to have to kind of do so within the confines that Apple dictates, which are going to be far more restrictive than I think that people would, would do on their own. So I, I'm happy about that. Um, it will require uh, software updates for people that want to interact with it, and I hope that they do, um, especially like on the sleep stuff. Um, like I love, I love, I've got a bunch of apps for, for sleeping, and I got one for napping, and I got all sorts of information um, about my sleep habits, and uh, I would love to have all of that stuff get aggregated uh, in a more useful way for me because otherwise the way I'm doing it now involves spreadsheets. But yeah. you were going to say something before I steamrolled uh, Well, I was just going to say, so is, is there any part of this that is uh, sort of, that, that you know, um, is usable uh, without <coughs> a fitness device? Or is there any part of this that, like, depends upon the iPhone itself? Or is this all sort of mm-hmm. aggregating fitness device data? So there is device data. Um, <coughs> And it looks to me like there's some uh, some software uh, information for like log type stuff for like dietary things like that. Like okay. you know, there's not like a uh, an app that will. Oh, oh, I guess Instagram will watch what I'm eating and <laughs> and log it for me. But of course, no. Uh, I think um, a lot of it's like medical devices and other software that does other stuff um, that's phoning into it. Now, yeah. the one other thing that's interesting though is they've added uh, this, the, the health application is where you can assign like emergency contact information and like med alert data. Oh, wow. So from the lock screen of an iOS device, oh, you can wow. press a little button, right? And it tells you like in case of emergency, here are my contacts and it will let you dial them from that screen. And also here's all the medications I take. Wow, that's smart. Huh. Yeah, so um, that's kind of cool. And um, that's awesome. Huh. I'm pretty psyched about that. And uh, um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. There's uh, also some new stuff for like home automation. Yeah, uh, that's HomeKit. Right. HomeKit looks really cool. Um, I'm a little skeptical of it though because a lot of the uh, infrastructure um, equipment and software out there is really bad. Yeah, yeah, and really not safe. I, at some point, I looked into some Philips Hue light bulbs, and it's those like, are expensive. Well, first of all, they're expensive. Second, it just seemed like none of the software side of it is really ready and like there's i seems like there are some issues with it so yeah um a lot of that stuff i mean you know it's it a lot of these home automation devices are designed at companies where they are not used to designing nice you know software (laughs) yeah Um, and and or just you know sort of nice products in general right they're used to like designing mass-produced you know, light bulbs or <laughs> security systems or whatever, you know, like, yeah, but a lot of the stuff, like they use like really antiquated protocols that are yep. not safe. They're insecure. Like the devices themselves that do some of this stuff are just terrible when it comes to that. Like yep. HVAC systems in particular, SCADA, like our entire power grid is running like on, <laughs> you know, the 
<laughs> without getting too alarmist, it's it's a cesspool. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. We are. Uh, it is only because someone doesn't care enough to turn it all off, and <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that, but so we'll, we'll see how this works and what they're thinking about. Um, I'm not too. Uh, uh, I'm definitely interested, and I, I like you know proximity based stuff um, in terms of uh, how some of that could make my life a little bit more useful. But uh, there's some new photo stuff happening in iOS 8. There's uh, destruction-free editing, like in Lightroom or Aperture. So you can uh, end up like editing photos on your iOS device yep. and not have like five copies of the same image, yep. which yep. is really handy. Um, <clears throat> and to that end, like some new photo stream stuff. But um, one of the things that I was super excited about is this family sharing. Um, so you can have multiple... Apple IDs that you can kind of associate into a family group. And what this means is that purchases and media that is owned by people inside that group are able to share it with one another. Yep. And this is fantastic because currently the only way that you have to realistically do that involves um, having like a, a household account. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the other great thing about this is you can kind of do purchase control. So if you have children um, that have like an I- I- iPod or an iPhone, um, you can make it so that they go to like the app store and, and try to make a purchase that it will actually send a push notification to your phone and you can approve it or not. Oh, wow. So in real time, you'll get a little pop-up that says like, so-and-so wants to install this yep. and it's one ninety nine, you know, approve it or not and you can do whatever you want. Nice. And then, because um, <clears throat> right now, uh, we're in a situation where I have like the, all, all of the household software um, for iOS and for OS ten app stores, I have going to one account. So uh-huh. one Apple ID that's uh, shared. And then uh, Liz and I, and, and also Prudence, um, in violation of the Apple ID uh, user agreement that says that she is uh, 13 years old, um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, we have all of our purchases go to that ID. And there's some caveats to that because, um, well, I don't wanna, we'll get into that another time. But um, what's handy about this is that then we will be able to have those kind of split back out again. because. Yeah. The problem that we were having recently was that um, it was starting to get pretty expensive to consider how many Apple IDs we would need to buy extra storage for so that we could do the backup thing um, because uh, the free account doesn't really do much. When you, if you have like two devices, you're pretty much going to bang the wall pretty fast. Uh-huh. And uh, Liz was having uh, that issue. So uh, the new pricing model that they're rolling out soon for iCloud will also address this. And then we no longer would have to have the decision like are we going to buy a ton of storage on the one account so that we can send our backups there and yeah. then also have our other Apple you know what I mean like it, yeah, that's it awesome. was starting to get more our way of like simplifying things was starting to get as complicated as not so <laughs> this is uh, going to make things a lot easier for us and I suspect uh, a lot of other households too um, one of the great things though is the messaging overhaul that's happening with iMessage um, for start, now if you are in a group message, uh, you can mute the conversation, similar to like what Google Hangouts lets you do, which is really convenient and nice. Um, you can also unsubscribe from a group conversation, which is also great. Mm-hmm. And then they have like this uh, self-destructing thing where you can like have a message that kind of like purges itself after a period of time. Snapchat mode. Yeah, pretty much. And um, and there was some some stupid some idiot from uh, from WhatsApp on Twitter that was like. Oh, way to innovate Apple, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, the only thing that WhatsApp does is, like, spam everybody. Like, I've never used it on purpose. Yep. Like, any time I've gotten anything that had anything to do with WhatsApp, it was because someone I know 
stupidly installed it and then it like sent out messages to everyone that they know saying hey install what's up yep like it's <laughs> yeah. the dumbest thing in the world so i'm like what possible innovation are you talking about that you've come up with ever because um, <laughs> i'm seriously it's like a it's a message it's, it's an im service that spams people yeah sounds great yeah congratulations you invented icq 20 years too late <laughs> um so there's that um the voice messaging thing is kind of cool. So you can send like a voice recorded message easily to a person if you just want to send a quick uh, voicemail, essentially, or uh, a video thing. Um, they now let you, um, there's a way now where uh, Apple is not only supporting AirDrop from iOS to OS X and back, which is really handy, but um, also being able to associate your phone with your computer. So if you get a non-iMessage SMS from somebody, the SMS will get delivered to your computer also. Um, and that's kind of a big deal. Um, that's going to be really clever, really, really great. And that's like why I miss your text messages sometimes because my phone's like in my bag because I just use iMessage on my on my computer all day for the most part. Right. Yeah. Um, really easy location sharing. Uh, a really nice way to like browse media from a conversation. So if people are trading photos back and forth from a group chat, you can very easily like get a survey of all of that. Um, inside the task switcher, uh, recent con- uh, contacts show up up there, so you can very quickly um, send things from person to person, uh-huh. um, which is also handy. Um, the quick reply for notifications is also great. So if you're using, if, you know, for example, if you're playing Hearthstone and you get an iMessage from somebody, you don't have to switch over to messages to send a reply. Yeah, you can do it from looks, the notification thing. That looks really awesome. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things uh, is that not only has Apple done some really cool stuff with text input, and uh, software keyboards for predictive text, and um, uh, that in and of itself is is pretty great. Yep. But they're also opening up access for third party keyboards. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so right now I use Flexi a lot on my iPhone, um, and it's a keyboard. But uh, third party applications uh, can use the Flexi keyboard um, if you have Flexi installed, and they also have to add kind of uh, support for Flexi in their application to let you use that oh, keyboard. Oh, uh, that's... Uh, okay, that's not as good. If you can't... No, just... no, 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 no. That's, that's oh. how it is now on iOS 7. Oh, oh, you're saying... Oh, oh, I see. Oh, sorry. Okay, yes. That's, so that makes sense. That's, that, yes. that's the way it is today. Yep. And then in... Uh, and that's kind of hard because, like, not all developers want to, like, prioritize well, and, and, like, support for a third-party keyboard in their app. Yeah, and then every developer has to bundle in Flexi specifically into their app. They can't share Correct. the code from this, this Flexi. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they have to have, like, you know, whatever library or APIs that Flexi gives them, then they have to roll that in. It's yeah. basically like with Text Expander, has the same problem. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this is going to be great um, because now I don't have to wonder like, will giraffes ever support Flexi? Like, I don't have yeah. to care because then I would just be able to use the Flexi keyboard or the swipe keyboard yep. or whatever keyboard I want. Yep, yep. Wherever I want, which is going to be That's awesome. Wow. Uh, so moving on to OS X, um, we've got a slight UI tune up. So things have, as you may expect, a somewhat flatter appearance. Yeah. Um, some translucency um, on window elements and in uh, desktop elements, which is kind of nice. It's actually, aesthetically, I think it, it looks really nice. It's not drastic. Um, it's not like uh, switching from uh, Windows 95 to Arrow. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not like that. Um, Spotlight now hovers in the middle of the display. So instead of being up at the top corner, when you hit the spotlight hotkey... It you know pops up right in front of you just like Alfred or Quicksilver. Yep. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, the notification center now has the today screen similar to iOS, which is great. Sure. Um, 
And because the extensions can hook in with the notification center, you can have like the same widgeting capability with iOS that you are on iOS and OS 10. Huh. Um, so those extensions will be um, available in both, which is kind of nice. Um, and Apple has, you know, not really a great history with like useful widgets. And uh, this newer notification center, the way that it works with like the Today View and the extensions, I think it's going to be um, rather than a place where a lot of stuff just kind of gathers up and collects. Uh-huh. I think it's going to make it a little bit more useful, and I'm, I'm all in on that. So that sounds good to me. Um, also, when because of the like things like the SMS integration I mentioned earlier, there's uh, some call integration also. So you can actually initiate phone calls using your iPhone on your Mac. So you can yeah. make like a speakerphone call basically on your laptop, yep. and it's using your phone to do that, but it's completely transparent. And when your phone rings, it'll say, you're having a phone call, where do you want to answer it? Or yeah. do you want to answer it? Um, and right now I use third-party software to do that. I use something called Notifier. Um, and I've used stuff that will let me, well, supposedly, uh, like there's an app, oh, I'm, I'm not even going to plug it, because the ones that I've used, uh, I have purchased, and they, none of them are reliable. <laughs> but uh, what's nice about Notifier is that it, really all I care about most of the time is uh, if I get a notification about an incoming call, then I know to go dig out my phone because I might not hear it otherwise. Yeah. Sure. So that's going to be uh, something that I am thrilled to have uh, built in. Um, now, the handing off of software and tasks is kind of cool. So if you're working on a document in pages or numbers or editing a photo or what have you, um, there will be like a little thing that shows up on your phone and your iPad in the corner that's basically like a little tiny preview window. Uh-huh. And what you can do is you can actually like, on my Mac, I could be editing a report and I can press that little button and it just kind of sends over everything that I'm currently doing to my iPad. That is uh, that is really impressive. <laughs> it's very impressive, and yeah. also like if I am if I just like stand up from my desk and I'm on my way to a meeting and in the middle of something I just lock my screen. You know, I hit the little keyboard hotkey and my screensaver comes on, and I grab my iPad and that little button on the iPad corner. If I just tap that, it brings it back up. For wow! Me. So <clears throat> obviously, uh, it's you know we'll we'll see how people like it. Um, I think it is absolutely magical <laughs> like <laughs> because even if you're like working on an email if you're editing a message and you're, you're writing a draft of an email and then you're like oh crap because this happens to me all the time where i'm in the middle of like crafting a message and then i realize i gotta catch my bus so i uh-huh. gotta like immediately run out of the building with my hair on fire and a bag and uh this actually is great because i can be in the middle of doing that and then my phone and my ipad also just with one little wave and a, and, a, and a flick on the screen and that comes back up. And now email might not be the best example because, you know, if you have like a, a draft of the message saved, you could theoretically go digging through your folder and find the draft and open uh-huh. it back and edit it and send it. But what's nice about this is that you don't have to go through any of that. Like it's actually what you were doing on your computer is also what you're doing on your device. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's kind of awesome. <laughs> so um, that kind of ties back to this whole idea of uh, ubiquitous computing and that continuity between devices. And I think they're getting closer and closer and closer every single time. And I like that. Um, The other thing that I think people are going to like is iCloud Drive. So having a web cloud storage service for your data that uh, is not completely containered and siloed off. 
I don't know how that's going to work and how that's going to be implemented and what it's going to look like. Um, it's essentially going to be like using Google Drive or Dropbox, um, <clears throat> as far as I can tell. But I'm not sure about the particulars in terms of, you know, can you share the data between applications without having to use an extension? Can right. you know, do you have to use a share sheet? Like I don't think so, but I don't know that. So um, didn't I see? Isn't there also something in uh, in iOS eight around? third-party file system providers mm. like basically that you know other like dropbox oh, could well, do a dropbox cloud storage well that that's through extensions so you can actually dropbox for example could write a extension for ios and os 10 that would yeah. actually present that as a storage service to all software on that device cool okay yeah so that's that's pretty slick so then, uh, but then, like, is is iCloud is iCloud Drive at that level, or is it at like some deeper system level? Um, I have no idea. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> yep. I, I I suspect that they are essentially what they're what I think they're going to be doing with this is providing a more familiar metaphor and way to interact with with documents and files that people understand. Because right now. If you use, oh, I have, I have a it lot is of so convoluted and weird that like getting a document onto yeah. an iOS device. Yeah, it's <laughs> and we're somewhat technical people, and you went to Stanford, and it's difficult. Like yeah. this is, uh, this is, yeah. I there's, I mean, it's a very frustrating experience for people, and I think the idea of the folder is something that people more readily understand. So yeah. I think this is going to be an interesting transition for them. I don't know if they're planning on doing both or one or the other or what. I like the model that. Um, the iCloud thing provides because when you have cases where you have um, uh, a good example is MindNode. It's a mind mapping application for like brainstorming sessions and, and collecting thoughts about stuff. Yep. Um, they have an iOS version of the app. They have an OS 10 version of the app. We, if, if you use um, iCloud storage, it is the most amazing thing in the world because sure. <laughs> as you're editing, the, and just like with pages and numbers and uh, um, Keynote. If you're editing the document, you can actually see it in real time, get updated on your yep. mobile device because of that. Yep. Um, and that's really, really cool. And um, the problem is, is that then if you want to also open that in another application, it has to you know rummage through wherever it is because essentially when you're saving things to iCloud, you're saving things into a container that is basically a hidden directory on your computer and those directories are then they don't exist associated in, with like real file systems. I mean they do, but well, they don't they, yeah, like, they're yeah. completely obfuscated and abstracted from yep. and with with reason. It's yeah. not for no reason. But then you also have this uh, sandbox seatbelt permissions model that the software that uses that has to go through to to get it, it so i think this will simplify things not only for developers but also for users yeah and uh i think that will go a long way to um reducing some of the friction that people have about icloud sure, sure. so i'm happy about that cool all right well that was a good roundup uh yeah. lots of exciting stuff no new hardware uh no. I mean, I guess WWC is, is you know, it, it's developer conference, obviously, and, and you know, more uh, sort of software oriented. But, um, yeah. W- w- so was there a one there more a thing? Stupid- no, 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 no. That, that, was, that was all Steve. That was, yeah, okay. All right. That's, you know, people that were complaining, like people commented on that and said, whoa, one more thing. Come on. Yeah. I'm like, that was never anybody else. That was always Steve. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else ever did that. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think Tim's going to pick it up. Sure. Yeah, because it's kind of it'd be kind of a hokey thing for him to. Yeah, yeah. Not only would it be hokey, but I think that he, I think they would view view it as a 
a really disrespectful, tacky thing to do. Sure, yeah. It's just like if Tim Cook walked out wearing a turtleneck. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That would also hey, be- I, I, hear, I hear his shirt was untucked this time. That maybe. Yeah, I, I was, it's I was listening a big, to the stream more than watching. Okay, yeah, apparently a big step. I, I think I, I, it, there was, uh, there, I saw several comments around, like, a more relaxed Tim Cook is on stage today. He was stoned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think... Um, I think uh, it, it's definitely an interesting time for them. And uh, I want my new iPad Mini, though. I want. I, 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 I want. Yeah, I, was I, I yeah. don't want to. I mean, I. I you know, my current. I'm thinking mini about is, just doing is, it anyway. Yeah, I know. My current Mini's feeling a little slow, and obviously the Retina display would be nice. But uh, I, I, I just have this feeling the new one's on the horizon. So I, I, you know, don't want to upgrade quite yet. But mm. yeah, you know, it's a tough life. It really is. <laughs> so I'm told. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, very good. That's uh, wow. We ended just about uh, an hour thirty exact. So um, sweet. Your, your bonus half hour of the Hell Yeah Show. Uh, That's right. This week. Don't don't expect it every time. No, no. I, ideally, we we try to keep it to the the hour mark just to keep it nice and convenient and reliable for you folks. But um, yeah. hope but you this was the... a special circumstances. Yeah, WWDC. So. Good. Uh, well, that will do it for this episode of the Hell Yeah Show. Um, if you want to email us, you can do so at show at hellyeah.com. You can visit us on the web at show.hellyeah.com. You can also find us on the Twitter machine, twitter.com slash hellyeahshow. Send us a tweet at hellyeahshow. And you can also find us on app.net slash hellyeah and on the Google Plus machine. All right. Very good. That will do it for this episode. We will see you in about two weeks.